Mindfulness helps us to learn. Cultivating it gets us in touch with how our mind rests on a sense impression or an idea, with greed or kindness, in a clear or flustered or compulsive way. And it gives instructive feedback on the effects and the feel of these different kinds of volition. Hi, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to episode 75, the first year birthday episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast, being released Sunday, August 30th, 2020. We are continuing our series on the Eightfold Path, and this week's topic is Right Mindfulness. And what I will be offering to you is actually a recording of one of our Deep South Dharma um, group meetings a couple of weeks ago in which we looked at how, what is it that mindfulness helps us see? And specifically, what are sort of these four basic misperceptions, or the Buddha called them hallucinations of perception, that mindfulness helps us see through? Our moment-to-moment practice allows us the ability to see what's real, to take a pause and question our perceptions, uh, question our assumptions. And so I thought that talk would be perhaps a useful illustration of this topic. There are so many places one can look for description of the practice of mindfulness, including on this podcast. But I thought we would focus a little bit on the why in this episode. Why is it that right mindfulness is so important? And then um, I just want to say again a happy birthday to Deep South Dharma and to celebrate the fact that um, we have people who have downloaded this podcast um, from six continents, all, all except for Antarctica. 29 countries, including four provinces of Canada, 37 states of the U.S., plus Washington, D.C. And all of that is not to say that we have some gigantic following, Um, not at all, but it is to say that it is amazing how far flung we are. And, um, And yet there is this shared interest Um, in cultivating this path and this shared need for um, Sangha that shows up in different ways in all of our lives. So I want to say thank you for showing up um, through your participation, your interactions with this podcast, and invite you to um, let me know of anything I can do for you. And then lastly, I'll just say, if you are able to, please do join me for my September online retreat, Devotion to the Deathless. That, uh, the information about that retreat can be found at heartwoodrefuge.org. The deadline for registration is September 11th. Um, And so we will know on September 11th if it'll be a go or not based on the registrations. So if that's something that interests you, please do take a look and get busy with that. Alrighty, on to 
on to hopefully a talk that gives us some motivation for the cultivation of right mindfulness. So this time I will offer a topic for our Dharma discussion. And um, I understand from uh, Jaya that one of the things that um, she shared with you last week on the topic of becoming one of the eight kinds of noble beings. So one of the eight kinds of noble beings is the one who is uh, seeking stream entry, seeking Uh, that sort of first stage of awakening. Um, And so the other seven are people who are either in stages of awakening or working towards stages of awakening. So so even in being involved in practice, uh, even seeking to understand what we mean by stream entry, um, seeking relief from suffering through awakening, um, you are already one of the eight kinds of noble beings. Uh, that are uh, chanted about as being worthy of respect and appreciation. Um, so, so congratulations on, on your progress thus far in life. Um, when Jaya and I met this week, uh, she was t- talking, telling me that one of the things um, you guys had talked about was um, the, the Dharma I, right? So uh, EYE. And um, Something that occurred to me that might be useful is uh, a review. For some of you, it may be a review. I think some of you have heard me talk about this before, perhaps, but um, but maybe not all. And so I just want to um, offer this um, this version of a teaching on what maybe today we would sort call four basic misperceptions that are just sort of part of uh, having human form. And um, the, the translation of what the Buddha called it was, uh, is four hallucinations of perception. So um, it's really, that's a powerful, uh, much more powerful word. Seems like basic misperception seems a little more polite, but um, hallucination sort of gives us uh, more of a sense of the, <laughs> of the severity and the consequence of what we're working with. So I'll go ahead and list these and and, um, I won't talk for too long because I want to have time for people to reflect on them and and share your own experience with with one or more of them. But um, I'll I'll give a little bit of fleshing out maybe. So the first, the, the very first hallucination of perception typically taught is that we mistake, we mistake um, what is impermanent as being permanent. And so this, this really highlights how much, when we're talking about hallucinations of perception, we're not saying that we don't know better intellectually. Right? We're talking about, when we talk about perception, we're talking about 
how we encounter life at this experiential level. And so, um, for instance, we know intellectually that, you know, all people die, that all that that really can happen at any time. We know that jobs can be lost. We know relationships can be lost. We know um, we know all kinds of things can change in circumstances for the good or the wor better for better or worse. But if you really want to know how much this misperception has a hold of you, you take a look at what is my level of of added layers of distress. Um, so when I say added layers of distress, what I'm saying is it is not that if your perception were clear, you wouldn't be bothered when somebody you love dies. It is not that if your perception were perfectly clear, um, you would not uh, have, have, an ex have a physiological experience of grief um, or of that gut punch feeling when something shocking happens. It's not that, but it is the, what we call the second arrow and the third and the fourth arrows, the, the sense of betrayal, the sense of this shouldn't have happened, um, this sense of, you know, all, all of that. Those are all, um, those are all actually optional levels of suffering, but they don't feel very optional if we are, if our perception is clouded over with, with these hallucinations. So helpful to know that what we know intellectually can be very different from, from our perception. And um, so that, that first one, we mistake what is impermanent as being permanent. Um, secondly, um, it's traditionally quoted as uh, that we mistake what is not beautiful as being beautiful. Um, what I find useful to put it in language of we mistake what is merely attractive as being beautiful. So being beautiful in the sense of uh, the Dharma is what is good, what is wholesome, what is uplifting, what, um, what leads toward freedom in a way. And, and, um, and so and away from suffering. And we can look at attraction in two senses. One is just physical attraction. Um, we can talk about, uh, in fact, as one young man pointed out to me when I was talking about this topic at another time, he pointed out that, oh yeah, in our culture, when we, when we find someone attractive, we even say they are good looking, right? There's this assumption that, that if we find them attractive, they would be good for us somehow. And they might, but not based on that, right? It we would have to like pause, have some awareness, get more information. But our perception is this overpowering sense of, oh, if, if, I, could, if I could make contact with that person or even that situation or um, we, that, that, on, that, that fast forward sense of grasping at, oh, this is what would make me happy. And, um, and this would be good for me. And this would be lead to a beautiful life if I could have, have this, that, or the other person, place, or thing. Um, another way of understanding this is attraction in the sense of magnetism. So there can be this sense of being drawn into situations almost and feeling almost like it's fate when really it's just conditioning. And very often those situations that we are drawn magnetically to, it, 
if we're encountering those unmindfully, very often we're being drawn heavily into situations simply because they're familiar, and that may actually not be beautiful at all. Um, and again, it might be. So again, it's it's about um, recognizing that pull is there, and then and then encountering that mindfully with investigation um, and so forth. Thirdly. Um, what is quoted is, uh, we mistake what is not happiness as being happiness, meaning we mistake what is merely pleasurable as being happiness, as automatically leading to happiness. And, um, and so, and so we, that, sometimes this is the one that people can easily identify um, in terms of their everyday life, you know, that it seems, <laughs> seems like, you know, oh, it would make me happy to go eat or drink or have whatever. Um, and then, but one of the uh, things that the Buddha taught his son that is that if you really want to know if something leads to happiness, it, it needs to be happy before you do it, happy while you're doing it, and happy with the consequences of what you do. So, so that, again, encountering pleasures mindfully, we can know, is this a wholesome pleasure in the sense of it leading away from suffering? and genuinely adding to happiness. Um, what I also want to be sure I mentioned with both of these, that the flip sides are also true, right? That what, what may be initially unattractive to us may actually be something that turns out to be quite beautiful for our lives, for our development, for our um, happiness. Uh, also, what is maybe unpleasant at first may lead to a lot of happiness. So there's that sort of famous uh, quote attributed to the Buddha that, you know, there is the, the suffering that leads to more suffering, and then there's the, there's the suffering that leads to the end of suffering, right? So, um, I mean, in a really typical modern day example of that, you know, in my work as a therapist, I see people who are willing to put themselves through some degree of suffering in the beginning so that they can have a relief, uh, release from suffering. Whereas, um, there can be the type of suffering that is just the festering kind of pain that goes nowhere that only leads to more and more. And then fourthly, um, we mistake what is not self as being self. Um, our situations, the things that happen to us, if, you know, it, things such as if we lose something important to us, we may have a felt sense of ourselves as being a loser, you know, um, another way of saying it is that we mistake what is not, what is impersonal as being personal. Um, that feeling of why did this happen to me? Um, and, you know, it's, it, it, it's really uh, interesting right now to, to have the opportunity to talk to a good number of people every week. And one of the things that strikes me is sometimes people will be looking for the meaning of this pandemic for them personally. Not, and I don't mean that they, you know, people are wisely trying to use this time to think, okay, how can I make good use of my time if I'm home, that sort of thing. But it is almost, there are, there are some times for human beings where people can be behaving, in, at least internally, as if this pandemic is happening to them. <laughs> What's wrong with me that I'm living here in this country that is handling this pandemic so poorly. You know, it's sort of, it's this very, uh, very uh, self-centered, the low self-esteem version of, of self-centered for sure, but it's this, this self-centered uh, mistaking of what is not self as being self. 
So, so those are the uh, four basic misperceptions. And again, um, those are the, that's sort of a very quick thumbnail of those, but I wanted to offer that for, um, for discussion this morning uh, as we look at sort of the clarification and develop, uh, development of the, the Dhamma eye. So um, thank you. And we'll have some discussion at this time. Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle. Just a reminder that you are always invited to join Deep South Dharma in its Saturday morning practice group, which occurs online at 10 a.m. Central Time. You can find information about that and the link at deepsouthdharma.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.